and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of the pastors at Providence Church, and Tony Clark, the Executive Director of Assure Women's Center in Omaha, Nebraska. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God, and we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing the pro-life view. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. It's actually two o'clock in the afternoon, so we have a new recording schedule going on right now. Yeah, we'll see how it goes in the afternoon. We always record in the morning, mm-hmm. and so I'm a little sharper in the morning. <laughs> so see. That's why we brought you and Tony to right. be our brain okay. for this podcast. It might be scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you all can see, we have a guest on our podcast today, and her name is Tony Clark, and she is the executive director of Assure. Women's Center here in Omaha. And she's here today because we actually had a listener email us in a question about the pro-life view, which as you all know, I love asking people to email us. So Andrew can attest. I was very excited. Yes, it was encouraging. And I think it's a helpful topic. And so, um, yeah, Tony, I I don't think we've ever met before or have much contact, but yeah, we thought it would be great for you to come in and and just kind of help us kind of think about this and discuss it. And hopefully it'll get at the listener's question. Yes. Wow. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to have you. So for our listeners, could you just give them a little snapshot of who you are? Absolutely. Well, I'm born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, so I'm an uh, Omaha transplant by way of the Air Force. I served mm-hmm. 14 years in the military um, oh, wow. and was stationed here from Germany and have been here ever since. I have two daughters, a 23-year-old and, a tw- and an 18-year-old. She'd like to think she was 20. <laughs> she's 18. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I um, love uh, what I do. I started with the shore actually as a relationship speaker. Really? Yeah. So I was in the schools talking to kids about you know waiting until marriage for sex. Mm-hmm. And that led into my position as executive director. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I have to look back and figure out, you know, ask, how did I end up? Yeah. 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 God had a plan. And so I've um, been executive director now, coming up on 10 years this year. Mm-hmm. And I've just been blessed to see God use Ashore to serve women in our um, in our community. And our mission statement is to be the first step for that young lady who's facing an unplanned mm-hmm. pregnancy. We want to just come alongside her and transform the real fears that she has into confidence and then give her the information that she needs to make a life decision. And yeah. um, so it's just been fun to watch God's hand on our ministry and um, the outreach that we've had to the girls that we serve. Yeah. How old is the ministry as a whole, Assure? We are celebrating our 37th year. Oh, oh my goodness. We actually, thank That's you. Awesome. We actually started off as AAA Crisis Pregnancy Center. Okay. So some mm-hmm. people might know us as AAA. Um, we don't advertise a ton unless you're one of our patients. You probably don't see our names out there very much, but um, we've been around for 37 yeah. years. Is that intentional? Like, or what's the reason yes. behind that? Of not we, advertising? We, we definitely have a strategy. Um, we want to create a safe place for our girls to come. Mm. And so by staying out of the media, staying off the front page of, you know, the World Herald, yeah. um, uh, not showing our hand, if you will, mm-hmm. um, just presenting their options in a, I'm going to say a neutral way. Do we have an agenda? We absolutely do. We want her to choose life but we create a safe place for her to come and get Mm -hmm. the information that she needs Um, and so it is intentional Um, we have a patient process that really focuses on that young lady who is the most at risk for abortion and Mm -hmm. she's the one that we're seeking after Um, so all of our I won't say all the majority of our uh, advertising dollars goes towards her Mm. because we want to draw her in because if we don't reach her we can't reach that baby. Right. Yeah. So. You mentioned the your previous role as like relationship speaker. Mm-hmm. What could you maybe? You don't have to go super in depth, mm-hmm. but give a little bit of what are some of the different things that Assure does, or different roles that people play, or different ways that you engage the community. Good question. So the, uh, first and foremost is our life portion of our ministry, the pregnancy portion. We provide free 
and no cost ultrasounds, pregnancy tests, limited STD testing, information about all of the options. We provide that those at no cost to our patients. And then outside that, we have parenting classes. So if a young lady or young man wants to become a better parent, we want to give them what they need to empower them to be uh, better parents. So they can take our parenting classes. Once again, at no cost, they don't have to be our patients. Anyone in the community can take our uh, parenting classes. Um, and then they also have the opportunity to shop in our boutique for clothes uh, mm-hmm. for the babies as well. And so then we also have um, speakers. We call it wholehearted. Um, they actually re- rebranded themselves during the pandemic um, mm-hmm. when we had a huge presence in the schools. And of course, when the schools closed down, uh, we had to think of something different. We had to pivot. That was that word everybody mm-hmm. was using. We yeah. had to pivot a sure. bit yeah. and begin to do uh, more things via social media. So our wholehearted team uh, produces a weekly podcast um, videos um, they're on social media uh, they just had a million views on some of their videos it's, it's been cool to see how God just used the pandemic to really yeah. expand their reach uh, so now they're not just reaching Omaha kids they're reaching kids wow. and adults um, young adults across the nation actually probably outside the United States border as well yeah. and so those are the three legs but then we also have recently launched another portion another ministry actually we call it Spare Vita hmm. which means hope for life um, and Spare Vita is responsible for training centers in the patient process that we use mm-hmm. and so we were training centers we meaning Assure I had a group of um, staff members that was training centers across the nation and we just realized this could be so much bigger than what we could provide here mm-hmm. you know locally without taking away from our local ministry right. And so we launched Spare Vita, which has their own executive director, and she is training centers across um, the country. Actually trained some centers in Ireland um, oh, last amazing. year. So um, those, that, those are the parts of the ministry. Yeah, that is amazing. I had no idea, like the mm-hmm. scope of that. And maybe last kind of biographical question. What would you say, so you've been in this role for 10 years, you've been mm-hmm. serving in the ministry longer. What is your like, just like burden in this and like kind of vision for this because i think i mean i'm sure i'm assuming that especially as an executive director mm-hmm. there's moments where it's just probably such a joy mm-hmm. and there's like a lot of life from this moments where it's probably really challenging mm-hmm. to work through different things what kind of keeps you going like where, where's your heart and like the burden here we have an amazing team i'm i'm just blessed to serve an amazing team so i feel like we've kind of hit our sweet spot if i could say that by serving those who are most at risk for abortion i think we have a, a solid process that's our main focus. And so when we are thinking about adding or subtracting from the ministry or whatever, the first thought is, how does this impact that young lady who's most at risk for abortion? And so I feel like my role as executive director is one, to make sure that we stay mission focused. Yeah, mm-hmm. keep vision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then secondly, to take care of my, my, my staff and my volunteers, um, because we are a people organization. And so without people, we can't do what God has called us to do. Mm-hmm. So personally, as, a, as an executive director, one, to stay on task, and then two, to make sure that the people that are providing the services are taken care of. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I love just hearing more about Assure because I've heard people talk about it, but all of the ins and outs. I mean, you're right on the website. You can kind of get an idea, but mm-hmm. as far as knowing more about it, I love just hearing about it because this is a great opportunity for women in our city who yeah. don't even know about it. Well, we often say that we are the best kept secret in Omaha mm-hmm. um, because, uh, you know, once again, the girls know where we are. They, yeah. you know, they find us, um, but people that would perhaps support us yeah. don't always know we're, we're around right. unless we're at a church or unless we you know do something like this yeah. um, and so it's, it's sometimes a little tough for mm-hmm. people to really find out who we are and what we do if you're not plugged into the right place totally mm-hmm. yeah so I'm just excited to continue to talk about Assure but then also as our listener had asked us just about the pro-life view mm-hmm. and why it's important to Christianity just to set this conversation up 
well, we want to lay the foundation and just kind of ask some questions about kind of the history of mm-hmm. abortions and what the current trajectory of abortion mm-hmm. rates are mm-hmm. in Omaha today. Tony, do you have anything background wise that would be helpful for us to know about mm-hmm. statistics or abortion rates currently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can um, offer a little bit of help there. So um, since Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973, legalizing abortion in all 50 states, there have been six about 61 million babies aborted in the United wow. States. I mean, you think about that, that's whole cities, you know, states. Yeah. Um, and so um, we see that trend. At one point it was dropping a bit, but then now it's starting to elevate a little bit. I think one thing we sometimes don't realize is that that number are surgical abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't always take into account the medical abortions or, or the RU-486, which is a chemical mm-hmm. abortion. Um, oh. They don't take that in, into consideration. And so that number probably is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, because the 61 million is, is mostly surgical abortions. Yeah. Um, in Omaha, the last year that was reported, there was 2,378 in 2020. Wow. Um, so the, the statistics gathering is typically a couple of years behind, sure. um, but close, you know, more than 2,000 annually in Nebraska. Um, we have a late-term abortionist in our metro area. He doesn't do late-term abortions here, but he flies to other parts of the states uh, to, to do those abortions. Um, and so sometimes I think, when I talk about that, people don't realize, you know, I've had people say they we have abortions here in, in Omaha. We absolutely do. Mm-hmm. We have a very well-known uh, late-term abortions right here. He accounts for the majority of abortions done in our state. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah. So as, as you said, the numbers kind of are going down and kind mm-hmm. of like, is that, is that like nationally, even in Omaha, has that been kind of the trend or has it been pretty much at or kind of stagnant at this point? I'd say across the nation, um, because as I think about the stats, uh, even for Nebraska in 2017, it was 1958 and then it went up to 2078, then 2068 and then 2378. Mm -hmm. But before 2017, it was in the 2000s. So it's a dip, but it's starting to come back up. Um, You know, I I don't know. I can't really give an explanation of why those numbers have, have fluctuated, but is definitely an increase. And mm-hmm. like I said, I, I feel like that number really does not appropriately indicate the total mm-hmm. number of, of abortions because those chemical abortions are not counted. Yeah, uh, You know, during the pandemic, getting the abortion pill became a thing with, that you didn't really need to have a doctor's permission. And it was because of the pandemic. But now that that, that door is opened, uh, we're just going to see it to continue open, open yeah. really wide. Wow. So you mentioned the, you know, over 60 million mm-hmm. right abortions since Roe v. Wade. I guess even with that, I, I just wonder why, even within Christianity, but just as mm-hmm. culture as a whole, like why there hasn't been more of a light on that. Or like, mm-hmm. I mean, because you hear some of those numbers and you think about not mm-hmm. just statistics, but obviously each of those numbers is a human being. Like, I guess just yeah. in your experience and conversations with people or what you're seeing and hearing, why is it that in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. both in culture as a whole, but even in the church, mm-hmm. isn't at the forefront? That's a good question. Um, it's something I think about often. I really feel like we have just become numb um, to oh, uh, to the life issue. When you think about this generation of young people, they've lived in an era where abortion has always been legal. Mm. And so why would they not consider an abortion because it's legal? And then if they're not hearing about it, if they're not hearing about it at church, if they're not hearing about things at home, then their first recourse is, you know, they're on their phones and they can Google, you know, I'm pregnant and, you know, information about abortion comes up. And so it's not, it's, it's, it's hard to say don't have one if it's legal. 
And this is all that they've known. Uh, one of the things I'll, I'll say real quick is that when we have a young lady that comes in and she sees an ultrasound, quite often that ultrasound gives her a point of conflict because she's mm-hmm. been told it's not a baby. You know, it's just a blob of tissue. It's not a big deal. But then when she sees that ultrasound and she hears that heartbeat, now what she's been told all of her life and what she sees on the screen, she has some serious yeah. internal yeah. conflict. Yeah. And so when I talk about, you know, um, uh, the real fears that she has, now she's wrestling with, okay, I think I'm, you know, perhaps I might lose a scholarship. You know, my boyfriend might leave me. Parents might put me out. But that's a living being on the mm. on, on that screen. So now what do I do? I think about the church in an effort, I think, not to offend some, perhaps some that have had abortions. Um, we tend not to talk about it. I feel like that doesn't serve us well because of a couple of reasons. One, you have women who are sitting in our pews, and I'll tell you, the, the abortion rates inside the church are no different than the abortion rates outside the church. We're, we're talking close to 50% of women have had an abortion, wow. um, and that number's the same in church. And so you have women that are sitting in church um, having gone through an abortion, perhaps, and have not received the grace and forgiveness of God because they're dealing with the guilt and shame and fear yeah. that, that, that they've you know, sure. experienced. And so when we're not talking about it. How do they learn, you know, of God's forgiving grace and how do they learn how to be healed? But then you have women that perhaps have gone through, you know, abortions and been healed. They're missing the opportunity to minister to someone. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's it's just like an endless cycle. If we're not talking about it at church, then young people are making decisions based on what the world tells them is OK and not. God's standards. Mm, yeah, that's super helpful. And it kind of also makes me feel a little bit humbled too, because I also feel like the other side of it is when you're in church mm-hmm. and you haven't experienced friends or yourself who have had an abortion, then it's easy to assume, oh, this mm-hmm. isn't a problem. Like this yeah. isn't something that's a problem within the church. Like this is outside yeah. the church. Yeah. But even when you're saying, well, the statistics aren't any different no. inside the church. I mean, that for me is humbling and it's like wow why aren't we talking about this yeah. more right. yeah. yeah i thought the same thing honestly i don't think i have any friends that have you know have had abortion and then you start talking to people when you really get to know people you realize i think we all know someone that has had wow. one we may not know that they've had it yeah. but i would say mm-hmm. most of us know someone i've been shocked you know at i won't say shocked but i've just been surprised or caught off guard by some of the conversations i've had with people and they disclose that they have had abortions mm-hmm. the least likely person that i would have assume, assumed but they have. And so they've been carrying that yeah. that that burden, that secret for so many years. And it has, I, I, I'm going to say, an impact on their lives for years that they don't even realize that was the issue until they come to a point where, you know what, let me deal with this. And then they can go back and go, OK, it was you know something I did. God can't forgive me. God can heal me. And now I can move forward. Yeah. But most of the time, it's years down the road before they come to that point of recognizing I'm struggling with a decision I made when I was 18, yeah. 19, 20. Hmm. How have you seen either in your ministry or different conversations with women who have had an abortion? How does the gospel or Christianity uniquely like speak into that mm-hmm. and help with maybe that like deep seated guilt and shame? That's a good question. You know, once again, there's no sin that's worse than the others. And so it's just by God's grace, period. But you have to acknowledge, um, first and foremost, that I was wrong Mm -hmm. and then allow God to heal you. Um, I think there are many people that perhaps have had abortions and they say, I'm I'm okay." But when you come under the grace of the Lord and you realize, I mean, I was a sinner. 
You know, when you get to that point where you realize Hmm. I'm not perfect, whether it was an abortion, whether it was I stole something, whether it was, you know, I told a lie or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, we still need to be forgiven. And in that, with that forgiveness comes healing. And so I think that's where the power, I know that's where the power of God Mm -hmm. comes in. It, it it brings healing. I don't know that you really can have healing from something as traumatic as an abortion without mm. the grace of God. Yeah, that is good. You you've mentioned a couple times part of your heart and the ministry's heart is to um, to really like focus in on those you know at, at highest mm-hmm. risk for abortion. Um, could you define that or kind of elaborate on that? So we see sixty million like mm-hmm. in you mentioning that you know we we probably all know of somebody who's had mm-hmm. an abortion. What are like what makes somebody at like a higher risk mm-hmm. to have an abortion. So part of our um, patient process is to actually assign, um, for lack of a better term, assign a value to the risk of for the for the risk of a young lady that would be considering abortion. And some of those risks include if she's in school, perhaps if she's had an abortion before, um, if money is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, a huge one is how much uh, someone else's influence will be Mm. Uh, if boyfriend is you know uh, agreeable to her having a baby or having an abortion if her parents you know what kind of support she has and so um, there are a lot of things it's you know we track the patients that we serve we have an impact report and people always say well why do you why does ethnicity make a difference or why does age make a difference why are you tracking those things it's because there is the typical patient Mm. you know our target audience is at 17 to 24 and honestly most of our patients probably fall in that 18 19 20 21 uh, range mm-hmm. but our target audience is 17 to 24 but we get girls from across the board mm-hmm. and it all just depends on what's going on in their lives mm-hmm. if I just got a job promotion and my career is taken off and I get pregnant guess what now that's an inconvenience mm-hmm. that's a that's a, a, an abortion risk if I just had a baby maybe my baby is six seven months can I handle another one there really is no um, no specific thing. There are a lot of risk factors that we look at. Um, and so for us, that one that is most at risk for abortion typically calls us for an abortion. She'll call and say, do you provide the abortion pill? You know, I'm considering all of my options, but abortion is an option. Mm-hmm. Those are the girls that we want first. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering with the, with what you do. So you mentioned Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. like making it legal. I know there's been many different ways, like through the legal system and the court system, even currently, like to try to overturn yeah. that. I guess one, for people that maybe are new to this, could you explain that of like some of the cases even more currently that are trying to overturn that? And then maybe your, again, this doesn't have to be like gospel truth, but like your take on mm-hmm. Is that really helpful? Is that like mm-hmm. where the fight should be? Mm-hmm. Good question. Um, you asked a lot of good questions. He's a great Well, I think probably what a lot of people have been hearing lately in the news is Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. uh, the over, or overturning Roe v. Wade. And once again, I'm not an expert in law and those things, but this is the thing I think we have to keep in mind. Even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, that just simply means that the decision about uh, the legality of abortion would be put back to the states. And so in Nebraska, Mm -hmm. I know we have a few trigger um, laws that are ready to go if Roe v. Wade is overturned that would make it harder to obtain uh, an abortion in uh, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Trigger law meaning if that happens, then these laws would go into effect. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, So right now we have limited abortions, you know, less than 21 weeks. So if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it returns back to the states. I think that's a good thing because there are some states that are certainly, you know, um, no abortions at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that it will necessarily take what we do away. 
Now, we've kind of talked about this and we you know, often say, you know, we could work ourselves out of a job. I don't think so, mm-hmm. because there will still be a place for a girl to find an abortion. I feel like we're going to have more patients to serve because now they're going to have questions um, about where I, where do I go? You know, yeah. uh, they're going to need more resources. And so I think, you know, sure, we'll still continue to be here. We'll still consider continue to serve the girls that are in our community. And I even think some of the border states um, as mm-hmm. things tighten up or loosen up, just kind of depending on how things go. It's a great thing that if they were to overturn Roe v. Wade, um, because there are some states that would certainly outlaw it completely. I w- would hope that Nebraska's laws would tighten up a bit as well. Mm-hmm. What would you say to probably the the counter arguments that of well if it you know if it's not legal anymore like women will still find ways that it'll be more unhealthy or dangerous what would your I guess response to that be I would say that abortion is still dangerous um, and 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 yes it's legal but it's still dangerous girls are still dying mm-hmm. um, I was on a teleconference yesterday um, just talking about the abortion pill and the number of girls um, you know that. There, the number of deaths from people that have taken RU-486, which is the chemical abortion, those are things that we don't hear about in the news. Um, we don't hear about, you know, when a young lady takes an RU-486, it's just like having a miscarriage at home alone. Um, and so those are things that the I'm going to say the abortion industry doesn't publicize. Nothing changes. It's, it's still dangerous. It's, you know, yes, it's legal, but it's still dangerous and people are still losing lives. Um, and so that argument to me is not really an argument. Maybe on the the other side, so people that really are trying to fight the legality of it, like and focusing on maybe even not like legal people, but like a Christian who kind of their maybe even how they view politics is mm-hmm. a lot of like, hey, I'm going to place my vote to make yeah. sure you know this way. Or even maybe people who fight or be against like Planned Parenthood, things like that. What is the level of where that stuff is helpful and any cautions that you might give to that being the primary, like I'm going to go, you know, pick at Planned Parenthood. I'm going to cast my vote for a pro-life president. And now I've done my part. Like, is that good, bad? What advice would you give? You know, I think everyone has a part that they can play. First and foremost, prayer. That's something that we all as believers can do. We can all pray. I believe God has called some to work at a shore. Um, I certainly think our staff, our volunteers are called. It's a ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some people that are called to sidewalk ministry where they are, you know, intercepting those young ladies before they are walking into a Planned Parenthood or an abortion clinic. Uh, I believe there are those that, you know, are in a political arena where they can make a difference. So I think it all plays in well together. You know, it's the scripture, one plants, one water, God give gives the increase. I know that's a salvation scripture. Mm-hmm. But it applies. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we can all do something. We all have a part to play. And I don't think any one is more important than the other. And I think as long as we're working together, I can't be on the corner, you know, um, escorting that young lady into mm-hmm. uh, or, or trying to get her to leave a Planned Parenthood or an abortion clinic. But I can certainly be at a shore welcoming yeah. her in if she decides to come to us first. That's good. And so I think it's all important. And so when Christians are talking about abortion and being against abortion, what are some scriptures that you all use at a shore or just you personally use when people are asking questions? Psalms 139 always comes mm-hmm. to mind. He knew me. You know, mm-hmm. um, you think about the ultrasound. That's that's a window into the womb. And once Psalms 139 talks about you knew me before I was formed in my mom's womb. Basically, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, uh, good, yeah. <laughs> um, um, there's several um, defend the, the weak there's just many in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament many life scriptures I think about um, when uh, Mary went to visit Elizabeth and John you know quickened yeah, in, in Elizabeth's yeah. belly when 
and you know there's there are life scriptures throughout the Bible. I do think with the the defending the weak, it's an mm-hmm. interesting point that I think generally right now kind of culture as a whole values that like there's value Mm -hmm. to like coming to the defense of the Mm -hmm. oppressed or the weak and i think it's interesting because i i don't know that you could say there is another demographic of human beings Mm -hmm. that are one as as weak and like as quite literally voiceless Mm -hmm. as the unborn or as attacked right now Mm -hmm. as the unborn and so it's just an interesting that that that's a a value for Mm -hmm. for most of culture right now yet somehow it seems to to miss when we think of the unborn because of, I'm sure, you know, arguments against that being a human. But it's just, it's just interesting that it's not just a Christian call here. Like that's something that as a culture we're, we're saying is valuable. Mm-hmm. And and so I think especially for Christians, then we should say, okay, well, who are who are the weak, who are the oppressed, who are those who are in harm's way? And if we believe, you know, the unborn are still human beings mm-hmm. made in the image of God, and therefore they have dignity and value, that should be a priority for us um, as the church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think where sometimes we as believers, uh, as a Christian community, maybe falls a little short is really just just talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if because we're not talking about it, well, well, what about in this case? And what about in that case? Is life precious or is, is life precious? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter from, I, I say, from womb to tomb. All life is valuable. Yeah. And right. I think if we really believe all life is valuable, then that would indicate the actions that we take, the conversations that we have, um, the support we give. Um, And I'm talking about having people come to church and getting the church involved. It goes beyond just having that baby. It also takes into consideration supporting that young lady and that young man who's had a baby, perhaps out of wedlock. You know, um, that's a term we don't use anymore, out of wedlock. Um, But, you know, supporting, you know, that teen mom or that single single mom, it doesn't stop once that baby is born. And I think Mm -hmm. that's sometimes where the churches i'm gonna say criticized for lack of a better term because that's the argument that i hear that you're concerned about the baby but what about you know the baby the baby's life and we have to be concerned we have to be you know concerned about you know adoption we have to be concerned about foster care we have Mm -hmm. to be concerned about that single mom who's struggling Mm -hmm. and i think that's where the church can come alongside and if we i believe if we had things in place that it was easier for a young lady to make a decision and not feel, you know, so isolated. And then maybe that decision would, those decisions for life would be, would would come easier. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a huge point because I would say I've heard that a number of times as a critique against the church of, again, kind of maybe the, this might be a bit of a stereotype, but probably more real than we want to admit the like, well, I put my vote in, I'm pro-life, I'm going to vote pro-life, I'm going to be pro-life. But then the critique is, but there's not much care for that woman, for the baby, like for adoption, Mm -hmm. for foster, like that you're you're saying this, but there's not much actual care for the human beings within the situation, Mm -hmm. which I think is honestly probably a real critique for Mm -hmm. for much of the church. So that's a helpful word. Maybe just continue on that thread a little bit of what are some very practical things. If somebody does feel like, you know what, I, I do, like I have that conviction or that theological place of, you know, that abortion is wrong or we want to be pro-life, but that's kind of where it stops right now. What else would you say for people? What are some very practical ways to take steps forward in functionally being Mm pro-life? First and foremost, prayer. I go Mm -hmm. back to that. You know, we pray every day at noon uh, as a staff and we're praying for our patients. We're praying for our ministry. We're praying for um, just things that, you know, come up. And so I would encourage someone to really just pray and ask God, how would you have me to be a part? What would you have me to do? Mm -hmm. Uh, And perhaps it starts with maybe I'm 
kind of selfish plug, unselfish plug, yeah. <laughs> uh, come to a sure for tour, you know, yeah. and see if God is calling you to be at a sure. Um, maybe he's calling you, you know, you to volunteer, or maybe he's calling you to be a f- financial support. There are many parachurch ministries that are helping um, women that, you know, uh, that are struggling. They're foster care. But start with prayer, asking God, where would you have me to plug in? Yes, I value life. So what's the best use of my energy, time and effort that you've anointed and given me mm-hmm. uh, that I can make a difference? A lot of times what I hear from people within the church is, OK, I'm told to care about minorities, abortion, mm-hmm. all of these different. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say causes, but mm-hmm. a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. How do I know which one to mm-hmm. step into and mm-hmm. should I be concerned with all of them? And yeah, just how would you respond to that? Because I do think it's hard as Christians because we know there are a lot of great areas that we can step into. And especially one like this where we're talking about protecting life. Mm-hmm. How would you answer something like that? You know, I had this conversation with my daughter a couple of weeks ago um, because she has a bleeding heart. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's she's so passionate about so many different things. And um, one of the things we talked about is that you can, you and, and it sometimes unfortunately are divided between political lines. Mm. Uh, one issue might be on this side, one issue might yeah. be on the other side. And I said, there's nothing wrong with saying this is important to me and this is important to me. But I think it goes back to prayer, just mm. asking God, okay, God, I can't focus on everything, but what would you have me to do in this season of my That's life? Good. And it, perhaps it changes from season to season. But I would say any ministry, any cause, any thing that would need support starts with life. Mm. And mm. without life, there is no other... There, there's no other a need for any other ministries. I say that kind of selfishly. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's I good. think that's yeah, good. That's and but yeah, I think it that, all starts with life. Yeah, I think that a lot of times in the church we forget that. Yeah, I love that you mentioned before too. That different people are going to have different parts to play, and there's going to be people with different levels of influence mm-hmm. over other people or in the government. There's going to be people kind of on the ground in different ways that can help, and mm-hmm. so I think that's helpful too. That there's not a one size fits all, yeah. or or even for you know individuals or couples to consider mm-hmm. foster care and adoption to make that uh, more normal. That we can not just make sure somebody does not get aborted, mm-hmm. but also make sure they can like have life and like Absolutely. have options. You know, especially for the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, within Assure, you mentioned a couple. Is there like is the tour kind of a first step? Like if someone's interested in and even at least finding out is is that kind of the first step for people usually? Yeah, it's a good first step. Um, we have a tour typically the last Monday of every month um, from six to seven at the Sorensen office. So that's always a great place to plug in. Um, it gives you an opportunity to hear a little bit more about the ministry, um, the history, and and our. our philosophy uh, we kind of go through the, the 16 steps and kind of just talk about how we're different from other centers but it also gives you an opportunity to hear you know what's going on across the nation a little bit and then kind of decide where you know if God is calling you to, to be a part of, uh, of a sure yeah. yeah and if there's someone that is praying about it but doesn't feel led to be mm-hmm. in a volunteer position but wants to give or support how would they go about doing that Great question. So we actually have a uh, website. I was talking about staying off the radar, staying, you know, kind of hidden. <laughs> Our website is not searchable. Our partner website is not not searchable. Mm-hmm. If, they're, if they were to Google, sure, they would get our patient website, which is geared towards getting that young lady in the door. Um, but we have a partner website. It's called firststeptolife.com. Um, and that's where they can go and find um, uh, just a plethora of information about Assure, um, videos from past banquets, 
Um, they can test them on just a variety of things at firststeptolife.com. Mm, that's good. Yeah, Tony, could you maybe just give us like a little, I don't know if it's a story or something mm-hmm. that just, because a lot of these things can be weighty, mm-hmm. obviously, and it's life and death and the numbers are yeah. vast and the like legal things can seem complicated. Mm-hmm. But just from your ministry, um, mm-hmm. what what kind of fills you with hope? What's a story that's been inspiring for you to continue on in this fight? You know, we have so many stories. We had a story last week that was a little sad. I mean, it was a 16-year-old, 17-year-old that um, uh, was 17 was. 17 weeks pregnant with twins and um, was contemplating abortion. And we found out she did go through that. And so we have those days where they're really heavy, but we have some refreshing days as well. I, I think God sends us some, some great stories to kind of encourage us from time to time. And the one that I share often is um, I had two young ladies that came in. Uh, the young lady was pregnant, was with her cousin. And um, we typically would separate the patient by herself. But this particular day, she wanted to keep her cousin with her. And we said, okay, no problem. And so we went through the, the entire process of um, the patient process. We got to the point where we showed them the ultrasound and the we also showed them the size of the baby. They have little uh, models that they can see the actual size of the baby. And both of those young ladies began to cry. Um, well, the cousin had had an abortion before. And mm-hmm. so the patient was contemplating having one as well. And they said that we didn't know babies this side had hands and feet like little people. Mm-hmm. And I share that story because it's a reminder of this generation doesn't know they don't know what they don't know and so they've been told that this is a blob and so now seeing that baby on the ultrasound helps her to realize this is life and it also for that in that instance it shows us that we have to make sure that we're extending grace to her because she's only responsible for what she knows but those stories keep us going because she decided to keep her baby after seeing the ultrasound so we do have mm-hmm. have those um, those those God moments where um, you know because sometimes we find out years down the road but this was one that we found out pretty immediately mm-hmm. that she was going to carry the term so Praise God. that's awesome I love that well thank you Tony for joining us today we really appreciated it well thank you for having me And thank you all for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. If you want to find out more about us, check us out at ProvidenceOmaha.org. And if you have podcast topics, comments, or questions, please email us at formation at ProvidenceOmaha.org. We'll see you next week.